0: It makes me very, very happy and it helps the channel grow. And feel free to tell your friends, your family, your pets, whoever you want to share this with and let's work out together. Hello team and welcome to episode 251 of the Simply Fit podcast. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Caroline Milne. Caroline is an online coach, podcast host, and is a coach that specializes in getting brides ready specifically for their big days. It's really clear to see how Caroline's personal experience within her own health and fitness has transpired into the work that she does with her clients today. She works with so many people who found themselves in the same position that she did some years ago, which allows her communication style to be incredibly relatable and effective. In this conversation, you can expect to learn why Caroline has done so many photo shoots personally and why she helps so many ladies to get into photo shoot shape. The challenges of being part of the Amazon Prime generation and what Caroline is no longer choosing to spend her time or energy on along with so much more. So without further ado, Caroline Milne. Caroline, welcome to the show. How are you today?
1: Hi Elliot, thank you so much for having me. And um, I'm doing okay.
0: <laughs> We've just yes. discussed,
1: I've just been hit by the the positive PCR. So I'm, I'm doing fine.
0: Yeah, you are doing pretty well, things considered. So for those who maybe have not come across you before and not sure who you are or what it is that you do, can you give us a little bit of a background and a history on who you are and what it is you do?
1: Absolutely. I'll try and be as concise as absolutely possible. Uh, my name's Caroline. I'm an online coach. I'm based in Scotland. I'm in Dundee in Scotland. I have been an online coach now for two and a half years or so so i'm i'm not an old hand in the game but previously i was i was an architect so i did my architecture degree i worked in practice both in the uk and in canada i laterally moved into the interior design world and have somehow <laughs> have somehow ended up ended up here i moved into personal training i worked in the gym floor and Made it, made it a goal of mine to really pursue the, the online laptop lifestyle so this is we're here I'm here now and I've been working exclusively online for six months or so now so it's it's been all change but yeah it's um I'm a podcast host I run group coaching one-to-one coaching yeah that's pretty much much me in a in a paragraph in a <laughs> concise paragraph
0: well you made it you made it so uh the full <laughs> online coach so that's pretty impressive but how long were you in architecture for
1: um I was in so I've just had my 30th birthday and I basically jumped out of the design game full-time when I about three and a half years ago. So I transitioned into interior design, really, really enjoyed that. Had the opportunity to work on some incredible projects, incredible firms, but it it really wasn't for me. And I actually, before I left, was studying to be a personal trainer. So there was that kind of bridge over. I knew I wasn't completely settled. The nine to five wasn't 100% for me and I wanted to keep my options open. So I studied to be a personal trainer. I actually got made redundant, which was how... I was pushed, shall we say, into the PT world, which that was a, a bit of a shock to the system. And but I decided, you know what, I'm going to make the most of this. I've got nothing to lose. I've got this qualification here. I've got the the want to do it. And I just I jumped. I don't know if I would have done it as quickly had I not been encouraged, shall we say. But yeah, like you say, we're here now and I wouldn't be having this conversation. So everything happens for a reason, doesn't it?
0: Absolutely. So it's all worked out as it stands. But if you knew what the couple of years would look like from when you got started to the pandemic, would you have still started at that same time? Or would you maybe thought, maybe I'm just going to put it off and stick with my stability for now?
1: Oh, if you told me, I'm such a, I think I've, because being self employed longer, I think I'm more risk averse now than I probably, no, I'm sorry, I'm more, I was less, I'm less risk averse now than I'd ever have been. But if you'd have told, scaredy cat me, like you're going to become a PT and then you're going to work in the gym. And then a few months after that, this global pandemic is going to hit. Of course I wouldn't have done it. Like,
0: course, absolutely <laughs> not.
1: But if anything, like it's really, really forced me to be really good at reframing and really good at being like, right, okay, well, this is the, the situation that you have in front of you. How are you going to problem solve your way out of that? And it's actually, that's one of the things that I've been able to bring in from my design background from it's a lot of architecture is about problem solving and it's about you know finding a solution and that's one of the skills I suppose the transferable skills that I've been able to kind of bring in and you know the pandemic for you probably found the same thing for online coaches it actually opened people's eyes to the possibility of pursuing health and fitness goals without me being on your shoulder without me counting your reps in the gym without me being like we are so good now at being able to connect Digitally, like I work with girls all over the world and, you know, the, the way software is just now with the apps and stuff It's I can access you wherever you are. There's no barrier to this. And I suppose, you know, your grand knows what Zoom is now. Like we're all very good at being able to find, find solutions. And yeah, I think if anything, it's, it's really helped it. At the time, no, obviously there was that panic of, Oh God, what am I going to do? Can I get a job in Tesco's doing like, can I do something? But no, I think you have to make the best of a, a bad situation.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And I absolutely agree in terms of the acceleration of the awareness of online coaching as well. It's like when I because I started online coaching, I want to say in two thousand early 2019, after being a personal trainer for seven years prior. And I remember leaving the gym I was at, speaking to maybe some of the clients, and they were very set with staying with personal training. And then a few years later when I reached out to, well, not even a few years later, it was just one year later, which is crazy to think. I spoke to them and a lot of them came on board because of personal training was no longer an option. And a lot of those people are still with me now because they're like, well, actually maybe maybe I don't need this. It's a little bit more cost-effective. I'm getting everything that I need. The only thing I'm missing is maybe someone there to guide me through a workout. But as we know, you know, we can get around a lot of that, right? And I think fundamentally, with personal training, you cover a large aspect in the training, but you miss out usually about 90% of the rest. And that 90% is covered with the online coaching. And maybe that 10% is what you miss out with the uh, in-person stuff. So I completely agree from that perspective.
1: A hundred percent. And I, I won't go too far into business models and things, but for a while I was running a bit of a hybrid system where I was trying to like get the best of both worlds, like I do in every area of my life. And I was doing, you know, a couple of days in the gym and then working the rest online. But what I was finding was that the girls, you know, they'd come to me for their sessions, maybe one, two, three times per week. Now, those three hours in the gym are wonderful. And of course, your training as a byproduct is going to accelerate. You know, we're, we're going to be able to work on that area of, of your experience in, in quite a lot of detail. Those three hours are great, but what are you doing the 95% of the time you're not in the gym? <laughs> What's happening with your diet, your lifestyle, how's your sleep, stress, how you know, all of these elements. And I was finding that my online girls were making accelerated fat loss progress. Um, and that kind of made me think, right, we need to take a step back here and look at the viability of moving everyone online. And actually it has hindered no one's progress at all. Do I miss the one-to-one sessions? Yes, of course. But I think you have to look at the overall picture and look at what it affords you to actually be able to do once you work online
0: yeah I completely agree. I think my thought process was like what type of impact do I want to make? Can I do that by the forty hours I have on the gym floor a week? it's just not possible and like you mentioned it's it's worldwide you can you can reach as many people as possible, and that's the beautiful aspect of it. but I want to come back to that point of transition. I'm always really curious about people who make such big transitions in their careers, in their life. So for yourself, what did it look like in terms of the lead up to actually making that call and saying, I'm actually going to pursue personal training. I'm going to jump in to leaving your background in interior design and architecture. Like what was the thought process and what made you finally go, I'm going to do it?
1: Well, I mean, the reason I even started the whole personal training, like going down the route myself was I wasn't a hundred percent sure of the advice that I was being given myself from, and I've been coached by a number of different people and I have nothing but positive things to say, but I think out of my own personality type of wanting to know, you know, all the facts, wanting to be able to just sheer nosiness. If I'm a hundred percent honest, I thought, listen, I want to inform myself. And if all I do, from this course is be able to improve my own training or my own in hindsight the the personal training course I would love to be on the board of people that make the curriculum for that and I'd love to shake it up but my thought process going into it was that if I can equip myself with a little bit more knowledge then it's just going to help me out and then basically I just when I, I was made redundant it was last one in first one out situation I absolutely did not see it coming so like I say I was pushed but it, so that really was a bit of a shock to the system, but I kind of touched on it earlier. There's, when you sit back, there are so many transferable skills and you can bring so much of what you have learned into a new career if you choose to look at it that way. And But I would say the one thing that I potentially benefited from that I didn't foresee was there's quite a lot to be said for life experience. And I'm not saying that I have lived. I'm not saying that I have (laughs) been all the places that I want to go or seen all the things and done all the things I want to do. But when you're sitting and you're studying for your course and you're on these webinars and these calls and absolutely no disrespect at all. I think if you know what you want to do straight off the bat, then perfect. But as a 20, late 20 something sitting on these calls with guys who are 17, 18, you kind of, you could look at it from a bit of imposter syndrome. Like, why didn't I start this earlier? I'm totally out of my depth. I'm too late to the game here. Or you could look at it from the point of view that I can actually relate to someone who is a busy professional. They have, you know, social pressures, financial pressures, work meetings. Like I can relate to that because I've done it. Like what happens when your your lunch meeting runs over and you can't get your third meal, and what happens when you know you have to work late because there's a deadline and you can't fit your cardio in, and you know maybe you know your friends asking you if she want you want to order another bottle of wine? Do you say yes or no? Like if you are fresh into the PT world and all you know is chicken broccoli and rice, and you're saying you know you must train five days a week, you must like there's no excuse, there's no that does not translate into a busy professional's life. It doesn't. I'm sorry and. I think being able to look at that from the other angle and being almost, you know, like, I don't know, dual purpose, having lived both, you can, you have a different insight.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's funny, you've basically just reeled off my life story. I was the 18 year old on the course. I was the one who didn't understand life <laughs> <I was laughs> prior to that. No, I honestly, and I look back on that and I think in a way it was my strength because I was so passionate about health and fitness then that, but I did have the, stark reality call that it was like, oh, wait, these people really don't like it as much as my I do. And exercise is just a means to an end. So I can imagine if you get stuck in that, and you're not willing to adapt. I think I was fortunate enough to have some empathy, to have some people skills. So slowly but surely, I was able to work out. oh, actually, they really don't like this as much as I do. So I, I need to change it up here. I need to make it more attainable for someone who actually doesn't really care about it. Right? They want the results, but they don't really care about the means in which they need to get there. And it's funny, like that's literally been my transition. I said to a lot of people, I'm like, now that I've got more life experience and I care less almost about training and nutrition. Of course, I still care about it, but I care about it way as way more obsessed back in the day, that's actually made me a better coach. So I actually think a lot of people who come in late, who maybe have had a broad level of life experience, they think they're at a disadvantage, but I think there's, yeah, there's pros and cons to both, but I think you're actually at an advantage if you look at it that way, right?
1: It's a, what I love about this whole industry. And we, we touched on this before we even started recording. There are so many ways to do this. There are so many ways to get to where you are. There's pros and cons to everything, play to your strengths. And I bet seven years on the gym floor, you will have met so many people. You will have met so many people from so many different walks of life. Life you've been, you know, you've interacted with people you otherwise never would have. That in itself will accelerate your ability to empathize and relate to so many people. You're exposed to so much on the gym floor. That's where people are their most vulnerable often. That's where people open up. And sometimes you're the person that they open up to, like in their life. And You know, there are so many ways to do it and you you learn so much about people. And I love that element of it. That's the kind of bit that I I miss. I still get it, but that's one side of it I do miss.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because it is a very emotional journey and you do, you don't just exchange pleasantries with your clients, you genuinely get deep with them. And I think in a way it lends to that because most of the time you might be spending two to three full hours present with that person. And sometimes I've had it before where clients will say, you know, you see more of me than my wife or husband does, right? (laughs) So you literally with them for a few hours. So that as well with online. And what I found with the transition is that as much as people would open up on the gym floor, it's not the place that really lends for a deep conversation whereas online there's a little bit more of a safe space because of sometimes they might have never seen you in person so there's a little bit of uh, that barrier in which they feel like they can open up a little bit and also they're going to say things on email. They trust that you're their coach. So I find that, yeah, that's actually developed quite nicely, but a combination of both. And I think that depth has actually increased since I've come online as well, which has been nice.
1: A hundred percent. You can't ask someone about like their sleep quality or they don't care about that when they're in the bottom of a squat. Like all they're trying to do is get back in and do as many reps as they can. Like it's not, the, it's not the time for it. It's not the place. It's not appropriate. You're not going to ask someone about how they're feeling emotionally in a busy gym when, you know, there's people wandering around. They're not relaxed. In that setting. So I think that really is an important distinction between the two.
0: For sure. And the clients that you tend to work with, they're usually female, they're usually busy professionals, they're usually brides getting ready for uh, their weddings as well. What made you choose that route more so than anything else?
1: I think your your niche, for want of a better phrase, chooses you. And I want, I mean, I, I train who I was. I train women who are very, very similar to to how I was when I was in the office, trying to juggle my fitness goals at the same time. Trying to, I do it because I, I can relate to it on a, on many levels. And like, yeah, the brides just now there is no one more motivated than a bride. I absolutely love it. Like, there's that's an area that I've kind of fallen into that I I definitely didn't plan it, and but I just happened to be by nature coaching women of a certain age who were going down that route. And I wanted to actually just get all the girls together. I now group coach the brides so that they're all in one group and they are the best influence on each other. Like it's, it's so, so motivational put a group of women together who all have the same goal. And sincerely without sounding cliche, like it is amazing what can happen. They're just the best support network for each other, but also the best motivators. Like if you see someone else, Excelling in an area that you essentially share, you're gonna to want to push yourself. And it's like I say, it's it's all about adaptability for in terms of business. Like you can go into it and say, you know, I'm gonna coach this type of person. I'm gonna, if that doesn't work for you and that type of person doesn't respond to you, that's potentially not the best route. And yeah, like I say, I I've stuck to what I I
0: know. Yeah, I thought that would uh, be part of the reason, just based on the fact right. that that was you, right? And that's you're essentially training who you were. And it's quite easy to relate to all those things. And when it comes to brides, I completely agree. They're the most motivated people you're going to find. So they're actually <laughs> a pleasure to train because you're just like, well, I'm going to ask them to do everything they need to do and they're going to execute as much as they can because they know they've got that big deadline in place, right? Yeah. A hundred percent. Amazing. So in terms of obviously getting to that goal, a lot of your clients do photo shoots. A lot of your clients obviously getting ready, ready for their wedding day. That in a way does require some sacrifice. However, you do talk a lot about balance and happiness on your journey. How do you navigate both of those? I find that that is a bit of a, but they're, they're two contrasting things, right? Just trying to get happiness and try and get to balance, but also then having to sacrifice, which is required to get to a place that they've never been before. How do you manage to intertwine the two?
1: It's a really, really good question. I think you can look at it practically and you can look at it from a headspace point of view. I think practically, if you have someone who has an end goal, so let's use the photo shoot as an example, having an appropriate amount of time to actually get ready for that. So same for the wedding. Like if you want to get, if you're getting married in in six months, a year, let's start now. Like, let's start now so that you are not rushed. You're not stressed. Let's do the work on the front end so that you can start, you know, you can relax into it for the brides. Like the week, the couple of weekends before your wedding date, you're going to be so stressed. You're going to be running around. You'll be picking up X, dropping off Y. Like that's a very, very busy time. And what you don't want to be worrying about on top of that is fitting into your dress up. We should have done that work in advance. So the practical side of juggling like your goals, your expectations and that degree of sacrifice is give yourself long enough to actually prepare for it so that you're not having to sacrifice. I've heard some horror stories about girls who like they can't even taste their wedding cake. They can't sample the wine. They can't take because of the restrictions on their diet in the run up to it. Absolutely not. Like, let's just actually give you a little bit more time to prepare for that. In terms of headspace, preparation, sacrifice, I think restriction is... A, a choice, you can choose to feel restricted. You know, it's 1500, 1600 calories to one person could seem like a hell of a lot of food to someone else. They might feel like it is a total, total restriction on their lifestyle. That's how you choose to go into that. And I'm very much a cup half full. Happiness is a choice. Like you we take more ownership of your both decision-making and, and your headspace. That's a blanket statement, but I think we have more choice than we perhaps choose to often admit. Maybe I sound a little bit bad cop saying that, but um, yeah, when it comes to sacrifice, well, how how much do you want your goal? How, what are you willing to give up in order to, to get there? Have that conversation and start. Be really, really frank and honest. And I think the more that you acknowledge that, your goals are bigger than some sacrifices that you might have to make, the happier it's going to be in the, in the journey.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, do you find brides are able to take that on board a little bit easier than those who haven't got such concrete goals? Some who are just maybe looking to get into shape. Maybe they don't even have a photo shoot in mind. Do you find that mm-hmm. that's easier for people who, to accept when they've got this kind of clear concrete deadline?
1: I think extremes in any direction are always easier like it's it's much easier to be extreme in any kind of area of life it's easier to say I'm not going to have anything versus you know I'm just going to have a half of this chocolate bar who says that you know like but in the, in regards to the brides and those who, who have who have photo shoots they obviously have a clear deadline and particularly with the girls who are getting married we also have amazing milestones on on the journey to that so say for instance someone's weddings in six months but in the lead up to those six months they also potentially have a Hindu, a dress fitting. Like we have all these mini milestones on, on the way. For someone who doesn't have, who doesn't feel as though they have a concrete goal like that, that's a lot on your coach, I think. I think you need to have that conversation about goal setting because everyone has their version of that. And I had a really, really interesting conversation with a client, actually yesterday. And we were talking about, she'd asked me just a really, really good question. And basically... I didn't want to overload her with information. So I didn't expand on why we were doing something to its, its full extent. But she asked the question and it was really, really interesting. After we had the conversation, she said, I am so much more clear on why we're doing this that it makes me want to do it now. And I was like, wow, that was, it was a kind of like a penny drop moment. In the same way, if you do not have an end goal, so you don't have an end point that you're reaching for, whatever that may be, it doesn't have to be an event. It doesn't have to be a scale weight. It doesn't, whatever it is for you. If you're not able to take that destination, reverse engineer it. So by that I mean work back and equate what you're doing today to that end point. That's a very very difficult place to to make decisions from because you can't like equate like okay, say fat loss is your goal. Why is eating the next meal that you're gonna have? going to inform that fat loss in in three months time. If you can't make those direct links, no wonder people get a little bit lost. That's on the coach though, if you ask me, to form that structure, to guide that path, to help you navigate that and to reach that endpoint.
0: Yeah, I completely agree, especially with the reverse engineering part. It's so easy to know... It's so easy to map out where you need to go when you know ultimately where your destination is. Whereas if you're just going to checkpoint to checkpoint, but you don't feel like there's light at the end of the tunnel, then like you said, it's going to get to a point. You might be able to do it for X amount of time, but there will be a stage where it's just like, I'm kind of sick of this. Does it ever end, right? And I think a lot of people don't see more to their journey than just the fat loss phase, especially if it's not like, okay, beyond this, we've got the reverse that beyond this, we've got X, Y, and Z, right?
1: hundred percent. Like the girls that I work with, they'll, they'll know this inside out, but of course we do our weekly check-ins, but what I also do, I'm a massive, massive planner. I love organization. It's just structure. And it's probably that comes from the architecture background as well. But, um, so we work week to week, but they also have an overall master plan so they're able to log into that at any point they can see the phases that we're working through we can see the objectives for each phase and it allows them to very very like a dieting phase if you do not see a dieting phase is exactly that it's a phase it's not a lifestyle if you do not see that there is an end point to that i don't think you can give it your full full focus attention and dedication if you don't know when the end point will be
0: agreed and photo shoots that's something you use quite a lot for yourself and your clients have noticed. I think you must've done like what, three, four, five in the last few years. How do you, uh, (laughs) what is it about photo shoots that you keep coming back to? Do
1: you know what? This is so funny that you've brought this up today because I actually just had a conversation this morning about this. I, this photo shoots were how I got into the fitness world and they were the kind of thing that I had a great trainer. We were working hard in the gym and she said, you're making great progress you need an extra challenge i'm doing this would you like to would you like to join in and absolutely no brainer i said yeah 100% and it's something that i have come back to at various stages uh, with different mentalities each time this is the only time that i have not had a photo shoot booked or on the cards and for for various reasons i think now is now is time for business now is time to prioritize my clients. My physique is now not number one. I am now not number one and I'm okay with that. I really, really am. And I think maybe it comes with a bit of training maturity. I think we all go through the motions. We all go through the different phases. And I think it's a brilliant goal to have. I love coaching the girls through it. It brings out a side in them that they didn't know was there that I suspected was there when I suggested they do it. But to see that flourish, and particularly with a few of them, like on the day, when they get up in front of the camera, the confidence, it's, it's extraordinary. And it's its amazing to watch it. Obviously, I know them inside out, but it's almost giving them permission to stand up and be some, not even someone else, to be a version of themselves that they might not have known Was there one of my clients? I cried when she had her first photo shoot. I was just absolutely in awe awe of what she did. She'd come to me for like a beginner's boot camp in lockdown in the April, and she was doing her first photo shoot in like the July August. She was incredible, but it, it wasn't so much the the physical change, which was significant. She was a complete completely different person, completely. And I suppose you know that as a coach because you've seen it. You've seen it grow and. Yeah. But but for me, I think, yeah, like I say, it's a great goal to have. It gives you drive and it gives you focus and it allows you to push your body. Of course it does. I have mixed views on who I think a photo shoot is right for. Um, I have said that I wouldn't coach certain clients through it at that particular time. I think you need to be very, very responsible about your approach to it personally, but also how you coach other people through it and very, very often. It can do more harm than good. And I would suggest that it's an area that you have to be careful for sure.
0: Can you touch on that a little bit more deeper in terms of the type of harm that it can cause? Yeah,
1: of course. I, I, you have to think about it. You're taking your body to places that it has not been before and that most people do not do not take themselves to. And yes, of course, it's physiological, but the psychological potential for for damage on young females in particular is is huge you're playing with body image you're playing with training extremes you're taking over someone's life to an extent like if you think that and I've never competed and I never will I heard someone say once it was on another podcast I I forget who genuinely but the phrase has always stuck with me and the lady in question she said you know doing a Bikini shoot basically was that was the topic of conversation. It's never going to improve your relationship with food. And I was like, that is actually so true. It's so simple, but it's so true. But you have to remember what you're doing. Like you're asking someone to commit to something that will take over their life. And we're taking our bodies to a point where we're getting them in a position where you're taking a snapshot, right? Photo shoot day is a snapshot of your fitness journey. If you think it's going to stay like that. Absolutely not. Like that's exactly that. It's a moment in time. And I say that to the girls in advance. And this is what I'm kind of touching on with responsible coaching is that one, I won't take anyone on unless they'll agree to work with me after the process. Like that is an absolute no brainer. Like you will work with me in the aftercare part of the, the journey. I won't take you on otherwise. And I have conversations with them in the weeks running up to the shoot, which sound maybe a little bit harsh, but it's very much, you know, you're getting, we're going to get you to be this lean in the week, two weeks, three weeks after that, you're not going to look like that. And I'm telling you that now to help you rationalize that. And I'm, but you do have to watch if anyone has you know underlying... If they've got a poor relationship with food, dieting like that is not going to help it. If they've got a poor relationship with exercise, pushing someone to train several times a day sometimes is not going to help that. If they've got a poor relationship with their body image, again, it's, it's not the it's not the process for you.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. And in terms of the uh, transition out of that, I find that some people even have a hard job when they're not even lean. they've just gone ten. 10- 12 kilos lighter but we know through the process of a reverse dieting phase through the the process of sustainability they're usually going to be at least a few kilos heavier maybe two or three depending on where they got and uh how well they reverse diet how are you finding that they are mentally accepting their bodies the way they look not as sharp as they once were especially when it's photo shoot i find that those who do photo shoots competitions will get super damn lean for the first time they have the hardest job with seeing the lines soften
1: yeah um, for sure. It's definitely a consideration. I do think explaining everything in advance helps for sure. I think refocusing attention on other areas. So if someone comes out of a photo shoot and you know, I'll have the conversation. I'll say, listen, think about where your energy levels were when we were, you know, a week or so out from that. How are you feeling? How is your performance at work? How is your productivity? How is your sex drive? How is your relationship with your partner, all of these things out? Think about how low that potentially was. Now we're going, we're three weeks out the other side. We might be a couple of kilos up from that, but think about where you are. You can now have more food variety. You've got more energy. You can go out for a glass of wine at the weekend. Your training intensity has increased. Like let's refocus here. Let's reprioritize. What are you actually willing? What, what do you want? Do you want that low energy? from now on if you want it fine let's take you down but when you again give people the option and you put them in control of their own choices they actually then are a lot happier with their position because they're like actually when i sit and think about that yeah abs are great but <laughs> so is cake do you know what? like it's it's all about and once you've done it you know you can do it i think there's a lot of that like once you have gotten yourself and you've dieted down to a point you know that you have the ability to do that. And that's an amazingly empowering feeling. For my one-to-one clients, I will be completely honest, I don't diet people down to a point that they need to reverse out of. That's never been a, a, I might put someone on a diet break or I might bring them up to maintenance, but I've never, and don't diet kind of general population clients down to a point where we've gone too far and we almost need to reverse I would rather take a little bit longer and work on, you know, habit, lifestyle changes, more of the the behind the scenes so that you don't have to almost, you know, go too far to then come back up kind of thing, if that makes sense.
0: It's interesting because you have a really nice phrase that I like that I want us to go into in just a moment. But you talk about kind of a slow and steady approach. But I think to use your terms, we do live in an Amazon Prime generation. Do you think it's part of your narrative that when these ladies come to you, they're already aware that we're in this for the long term, we're going to do things slow and steady? because i think most people do want things quite quickly. So if you say to me or any person who's coming on, how, you know, it could take 8 weeks if we just went hard or it could take 16 weeks and we'll go healthily. I think the balance is shifting slowly but surely, but i still think that most people would be like, "Ah, oh, that 8 weeks it sounds tempting." So how do you manage that and talk to us more about the Amazon Prime generation?
1: The Amazon Prime generation. Yeah, i love this and it's this whole oh God, we live in a world we can like you click on a and you've got things tomorrow. You know, it's, it's, we're so conditioned to immediacy and lack of patience, lack of having to actually work for something because why do you need to work when you can just boom, 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 you know, I'm going to have something right now. I don't really have to. And I think that, you know, there's something a little bit sad about that really. So I think this whole lack of patience generally, I think has a a knock-on effect on people's relationships with their goals and what they want. And it's really interesting you brought this up because I think I posted something about this yesterday, but clients will come to you and very often there's a question, and I completely understand it, it's how long will my results take? You might be on an an initial call with someone and they'll ask you, well, how long do my results take? And my honest answer to that, if I, you know, I will answer the question, I'll say, listen, if you... Follow my guidance, and you, you know, I, you follow the structure that I've given you. We can expect to see changes within, you know, X timeframe, whatever it may be. My honest review of a question like that would be that's actually, to me, the wrong attitude to even be going into something. So when someone is saying, you know, like how long do my results take, I would be questioning the the headspace there already before we even start and i suppose what's always interesting to me is that you'll start with a client and you're working with girls they'll say you know i want a tiny waist i want a massive ass i want to be able to squat this i want to be able to do a pull-up and i want they have very outcome-based goals and i get it right we live in a world where you know if and especially if you're going to pay for a service you want results that is absolutely understandable there's something really, really interesting that happens. And it's so funny. I'm not going to put a time frame on it. It could be anywhere between like four, six, eight, 12 weeks working with someone. It, it, you can't put a definite time on it. But there is definitely a distinction and something that happens when you've been working with someone where things shift. And I call it the ripple effect. And what essentially happens is that someone comes to you thinking that they want, let's just say they want to lose 10 kilos, right? That is the the pebble or the the drop in the the ocean, right? And what they don't realize is that when we're working together and the habits and the the routine and the structure that we're forming, the accountability, how motivated they are, the support they're getting from the other members of the group, (sighs) that causes of what I call the ripple effect where they start to notice other things. So they start to notice the improved sleep, the increased energy, the, the greater awareness of how they're fueling their body, the increase in the training intensity, the enjoyment of training sessions, how their body is moving their, you know, how their muscles are like, they'll go into the gym and they'll actually start to see their body changing and all of these other things how they feel in their clothes how their clothes are fitting how they're interacting with with their friends or family how they're showing up in their relationships all of these things is like it's they thought they wanted this but the ripple effect and all these other elements to their life are starting to improve so positively that they they go i don't know if i want that massive ass anymore or they still do but it's not the forefront of their mind it's not the how did I put, I forgot the phrase that I used, but it's basically, it's not center stage in their focus anymore. And that is why people start to enjoy, I hate this phrase, but why people start to enjoy the journey rather than rather than the outcome. And that is honestly why I feel that women, I, I celebrate year anniversaries all the time. And I think that's why I get to work with my clients for such a long period of time is because we break this, what can we do in 12 weeks narrative? And they genuinely enjoy what we do. And I'm very, very fortunate for that.
0: Beautifully said. Aside from enjoy the journey. Or enjoy <laughs> the, I
1: know, I know, I know. Um, I never know what, yeah, I need to find a good
0: phrase, no, don't I? <laughs> no, I know what you mean. And it's, there's a big difference between wanting a goal and needing to have that goal. Right. And I think once you make that transition and you do see your goal on the horizon, but you're not so fixated on that being the be all end all. And you can, like you mentioned, start to enjoy the ripple effect of eating well, sleeping well, hydrating, training, and, you see the knock-on effect that has into your life. And then you realize, oh, actually that goal is just now X amount percent of the equation versus when, before I came into this, it was just a hundred percent. And like you said, that leans into people then being able to maintain their journeys for much longer. So there's no doubt that once they're able to do that, they can celebrate their one-year journeys. A
1: hundred percent. And by the way, I'm not like, I'm not disputing the fact that I would be lying if I said that I didn't care about how I looked aesthetically, but the the irony is, is that very often your body composition goals come as a result of you not focusing on them and not being so, you do not need to micromanage. We are so good at overcomplicating things. We are so, this is kind of what I mean about, it. it's also part of the Amazon prime generation is that like, we basically, we want everything on a spreadsheet and we want to look at every single little bit of like, how can I track my sleep? My, you know, my watch is doing this. My, what is it called? Like the whoop is doing this. Like I've done this, like chill, like chill. A lot of it, we don't need to overcomplicate. And your life is complicated enough. I'm not about to make it harder. My job is to make this easier for you. I want to weave what we're doing into your lifestyle, not dictate to you what we should be doing and we have to be doing. That's not client-led coaching.
0: Yeah, no, I made a podcast recently. It's not live yet, but it's literally on the topic of you're focusing on the wrong thing. And I say, I give the analogies to just real life. I'm like putting the capital at the start of someone's name name, doesn't matter if you've spelled their name wrong. Ironing your shirt doesn't matter if you've got a coffee staying down the front and the same goes to your journey. It doesn't matter, you know, whether you're drinking a diet drink and the sweetness in that, if Deliveroo was on speed dial or the first app you opened for the last five years of your life. And I'm like, let's, the details are great, but let's get the 90% fundamentals in place. And then they become important. But knowing whether you should take way isolate or way concentrate within the first week of your journey really isn't going to make a big difference, but we love to look at those type of things. It's amazing.
1: I love, like, I love all of those analogies. It's a form of procrastination. It is, like, you very often see that. People will be like, I really need to up my my water intake. And I'll be like, no, Kathy, you need to put yourself in a calorie deficit. Like, it's not to do with your water. And I know that sounds really harsh, but when you're objective and when you can look at it and say, well, actually, you only have a, a massive... Energy conservation to me is a massive thing. Like, we only have so much energy throughout the day. I always liken it to... The Sims, And I think I actually talked about this on a podcast a recently, but did you play the Sims when you were young?
0: I did. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And they had those things above their head and if they were green, they were happy and you had an energy bar and like that energy bar runs down. Right. And as much, you're not a robot, right? You work in the same way. You only have so much energy in the day. I'm a massive fan of like, put it in the right places. And very, very often we, we try and do this. We try and micromanage and focus. And actually let's get the low hanging fruit first let's put that energy that you have in the right places and you can progressive overload you can you can start to do more and more further down the line but let's nail the basics first
0: yeah absolutely and i think my take home point on that to give the spoiler away is that when you focus on the details you've got 110 things to focus on when you focus on the fundamentals you literally have maybe four or five and four or five it doesn't matter how many things that you need to get to later or what pursuit you're in, four or five things is always going to be way more easier to handle than 110. So I think that that was just like the take-home point. It's just like focus on these fundamentals, the things that are going to pay off in the long term, then you know, you're know you going to get the results. And you mentioned progressive overload and you have a phrase called progressive overload your life. And I really like that. It's, it's, a, it's a great term. I think it's awesome to apply to just your day-to-day. So how do you choose where to place that energy that you mentioned? You mentioned like before that your goal is no longer you it's your business and it's your clients how do you determine where you're going to place your energy at a certain moment in time is it coming down to what feels like it needs most attention is it most what's on your mind how do you go about utilizing that energy in the most efficient and effective manner at the time in the life that you're in
1: it's a really good question um yeah progressive overloading your life it was it actually came out of a conversation i had with someone we were talking about we actually talk about relationships and this like this was how far removed from from gym context we were talking about it. But you really can, once you have nailed, you know, a base habit or a base structure in your in your day in your life you have to do that before you can increase it a good example of that would be like say for instance you are someone who you really want to start reading more or you really want to start you know learning a new course or something but you just you feel like you don't have time to put it into your day start with five minutes start with five minutes. Okay. Get that into the routine, get it in, make it part of the fabric. You can always do more. Once it's five and it's there, it's very, very easy to make it 10. Once it's 10, it's very, very, like this is the whole point, but it needs to be, it needs to be there. Having values is a big one for me. So we kind of talked about goal setting earlier, but ultimately, you know, like, Like I say, I am a planner, but I'm also a thinker. So I think it's really, really important to have, like I have a weekly meeting with myself where I will sit down and I'll basically do my own check-in and I'll say, right, this is where things are this week. This is where I want them to be next week. This is where things are this month. This is where I want them to be next month. And it's being able to zoom out and say, okay, here's your values up here in the, you know, the nice hypothetical values, a bit more woo-woo, but here's your Monday to Monday to Sunday. How does that tie in with that? And that's very, very important to me. I have to be able to talk a little bit about goal setting, about reverse engineering. I have to be able to make the two work in conjunction with each other. Is that a roundabout way of answering that? Or are you just asking, how do you fit everything into the week? How do I practically do it? Google Calendar. You should see it. It's nuts. But that's how, and I choose, I'm very, very careful. You have to to work in your business and, you know, be there for your clients, support, have the structure in place, have the training plans, like all the practical things. But you also have to be able to zoom out and say, well, actually, do I need to be putting a little bit more energy and focus on myself? Like, do I need to be Furthering my develop, development a little bit more? Do I need to be spending energy learning about this or starting this course or do and all of these things and having, I think, an overall
0: balance? Well, I think what you mentioned is quite funny because if those who are listening have listened listened frequently to this podcast. They will hear me speak about structure, values, routine, all these things that you've been nailing. Being a rational human being, you know, thinking through things, being a thinker, getting your stuff on Google Calendar. So it, it's funny to hear this all like mirrored back to me in a way that you've gone through it today. And where I was going with that is that a lot of people know what they need to do, but then they have the tough time of actually placing their energy there or they might not even reflect on their week to recognize that where the aspects that need focusing on even need their energy and attention so th- is that based on the fact that you do have that check-in with yourself you do reflect you look into things
1: yeah i think that's a brilliant point i was gonna for clients i suppose you can look it up for two different two different aspects for for clients a lot of people know what they have to do. And I would say people can tear into the Instagram world and say, there's so much information out there. I don't know what to do. I don't. Do you know what? I think a lot of people generally have a good grasp of what they should be doing more so. And I think that's a really positive space or direction for the fitness industry to be going in, right? It's a really, really good, you know, we're not so much into their diet teas and skinny waist belts and all this crap. People know, they do. Knowing and doing are very, very different things. Very, very different things. And I would say that clients initially potentially come to me for knowledge and to be equipped with knowledge and to learn, but they stay with me because irrespective of how much you know, the application of that is an altogether different beast. And sometimes you need a sounding board. Sometimes you need someone there. And support, I think, is so underrated. And you need to know someone has your back. And I think there's a subtle change that happens when working with clients that, yeah, they come to you for, for their goals and for their fat loss and for knowledge and all these things. But then they'll also they'll stay with you because you know them very, very well. You can offer support. You can start to offer guidance that is so specific to them because you've had this time to really cement this relationship and you know how best to help them navigate a situation. And I think working through a check-in process for myself in the same way that I do with clients affords me the same opportunity to do that. So I'll almost sit back and say, as if I were a client, right? Are you showing up the best in this area? Do you need to be putting more attention in here? And that works really well for me.
0: I can imagine. And you're completely right. There's a real big difference between knowing and doing. And especially if someone doesn't have that person in their corner, or they do have a sounding board, but their sounding board isn't necessarily telling them the truth or is prioritizing their own needs. Whereas this is the beauty of having a coach. I always say to my clients, and I think this is why I can deliver harsh truths quite a lot on this podcast and to my clients because they know that my sole purpose is to get the best for them. I have no other desire and other people in your life, you know, you might have some really good friends and family and hopefully if you have that around them, but some people don't, you know, they don't have someone who has just simply their best interest. So I think once you find someone who can reflect back to you, the things that you need to hear and you know, the sometimes not so nice truths, it can be super powerful. It can be really powerful.
1: Yeah. I, I say to the girls, I say, you know, do you want good cop or do you want bad cop? Because sometimes, sometimes you want to hear it. Other times you want to, be able to talk about it and they're two different things but it's there's a subtle art in being able to relate and to empathize with someone but to also to know what they will want longer term and that's where a good client coach relationship comes in because if you've worked through similar issues with people previously you know more and more about how they react to to certain situations
0: Absolutely. And you mentioned your values. How did you go about choosing what they were? Did they come to you? Have you specifically put them down on like a Google doc? Like I have, <laughs> like, how did you determine what your values are?
1: You're me, but male. <laughs> but yeah, they're literally, they're, they're committed to a, I have like a monthly review and, and they're right at the top. And I think it's been a bit of trial and error. I think it's been a bit about knowing both what I want personally but what I want for for other people. I think you can only give your best if you are also furthering and developing yourself. I notice it in myself, like if my training's not there, if I'm not you know learning about this, if I'm not enrolled in this course, if I'm not listening to podcasts, if I'm not filling my brain with great content, having great conversations, my coaching suffers as a consequence. And I think my values... Yeah, a bit of trial and error and a bit of knowing actually, it seems so obvious, what is important to you, but on a less superficial level than just, you know, like, it's important to me to have three holidays a year. And it's about Why? Why is that important to you? And asking the question, being really, really clear. And sometimes your values can be really difficult because they flag up things that aren't important to you. And this is the thing, like once you commit it to paper and you say, well, actually, if I really, really list it and I only have space to have five values in my life, maybe there are things that aren't as important. And I've been kind of dragging those around like little anchors for the last little while. And we just talked about energy conservation. Like maybe they're not serving you. Get rid of them. It can be quite liberating, but it can feel quite harsh.
0: (laughs) Especially when they're quite comfortable things or maybe they're related to people who are gonna feel the void when you stop spending so much time and energy on them and that leads me on to my next question because you did a post about this Mm. just a few days ago with things that you're no longer spending time energy or finances on right (laughs) so we spoke about prioritizing and spending energy on things that are important but we haven't spoke about the energy drains so talk us through that and the three things let's say the top three on your list that you're no longer spending time energy or money on
1: I can't remember what I wrote now I'm worried (laughs) (laughs) Um, what? Oh God, I literally can't remember what I wrote. I think, what am I not spending time, energy or money on? Anymore. Anymore. I wrote Tinder on that, didn't I? <laughs> I
0: saw dating apps.
1: Yeah. <laughs> dating apps are not the one. No, I think uh, the main thing for me, people who, oh, this sounds so harsh, doesn't it? I love to feel energised by situations that I'm in. I love to feel to have those boosts and to to give them to other people. And like conversations like this are a great example of that. Like I no longer want to spend time In draining situations. I know we can't always choose and we have to do things we don't like and we all have to do our accounts and blah, 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 and all these things. But I love to be around people who have as much passion. I don't care what field you're in, I don't care what you do, but I love to spend time around people who love what they're doing because it's so flipping infectious. Like practical things that I just don't do, like I just don't, I have my routine and I stick to it and I just do not. I don't waste time on things that don't really have... It sounds Maybe it makes me sound like a little bit robotic, but I just don't waste time on things that don't serve me or they don't serve my clients or they don't serve my headspace or it really, really is a yes or no thing for me. I ask myself constantly, is this in line with your goals? Yes or no. If it's not, stop doing it. Literally, if I'm just sitting here scrolling and I'm like, am I doing this for a real purpose? Yes or no, put the phone down. Get on with what you're supposed to be doing. Tinder, I ditched that. I decided Tinder was not did not have space in my thirties. So I'm concentrating on, on my business. Like I said, I would do so. I know it's a silly one, but I think you need to be super, super focused on, on what you want
0: and why it's important. I completely agree. Preach. You are speaking my language. So Carolyn, this has been amazing. And I want to ask a couple of final questions. So what impact do you want to have on the health and fitness industry?
1: I want to equip women with principles that are going to set them up for life and not for a 12 week fix. I want to equip women with and empower them. And I know that word is banded around a lot, but we're really, really good, particularly as females at putting glass ceilings on ourselves. And I want to completely lift the lid on that. And I want to show more women that they can enjoy this process that they can feel supported in this process it doesn't have to be anxiety inducing it does not need to be militant it doesn't need to be like it's possible and i don't think that a compassionate version of coaching has been explored or given to enough women in particular i don't i think we need to get away from this idea of like i'm your coach this is what we do you stick to this or you fail I think we're way past that. And we need to be pushing more down the compassionate client-led coaching route. And I want to give that to more females.
0: I love that. And where can people find you if they want to get to know you better, work with you potentially?
1: Where can you find me? Um, Instagram is probably my where I hang out the most. It's at coaching dot with caroline and i have my my own podcast and i think i was saying this to you earlier like your setup is so slick i absolutely love this it's so professional it's so i literally plug the microphone in hit record and go it's very much an insight into how i Talk to my clients. It's it's pretty much. I'll have a conversation. I'll have a topic in mind, something that's been recurring in check-ins over the last week or so. I'll put together, you know, a couple of bullet points. I'll, as I say, mic in, press record, and and chatter away. But it probably gives you a good insight into my headspace at any given time. So that's just uh, coaching with Caroline. The extras
0: and
1: that's where yeah podcast and instagram is probably probably the best the
0: best two. amazing i'll put that all in the show notes but honestly it's been a pleasure caroline we speak the same language we have very much the same values I would say we have we live by the same principles and we coach in very similar fashion. So it's been a pleasure to speak with you today and get your take on things. It's just been like speaking to myself, to be honest, which I couldn't think of anything better. <laughs> Thank
1: you. No, it's been it's so great, so great to have chat. we're being on this side of, of the microphone. And I hope it's helpful because if you are, I often find if you're working with someone, you can say things and you can repeat it and you can try and reframe it. Sometimes it takes a slightly different voice or something said in an ever so distinct way that can really, really land with someone. And also it's just nice if someone is reinforcing what you, your message and what you, what you already, your standards. So that's amazing. And thank you so much for having
0: me. My pleasure. And I couldn't agree more. Sometimes you say things a hundred times and then your client will reach out to me and like, I heard Joe Wick say this thing. I'm like, yeah, I said that to you about six months ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: The most important thing
0: is that it lands, right? Exactly. (laughs) But it's
1: like if your other half ever says something to you, you're like, oh yeah, sure, whatever. And yet Joe from work will say something and you just like, you completely listen because it's someone else.
0: Yeah, sometimes it just needs to land in a different way. And uh, as long as the message gets there in the end, that's the most important thing. Well, thank you. I appreciate you taking your time today. And that was the Simply Fit Podcast. I hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode. I feel inspired to improve your health and well-being.